reality is crashing all around me. Things that once seemed completely impossible are now happening on an almost daily basis. There are people standing in the way of the path that I am on, but they are merely annoyances that will be taken care of in their own ways. Everywhere I look, my vision is filled with the future calling to me. I am calling from Elm Lake. Elm Lake is changing, for the better, for the worse, that I don't quite know. I'm trying to push it towards the better, at least the better that I can see. You have to break a few eggs sometimes, and Elm Lake has more than its fair share of eggs. George Mooney, The Fowlers, Lorraine Powell, to name a few. I don't know what happened to Amelia or Jenny. I thought I had an idea where Anthony went but I've lost sight of him as well. These three are not eggs. They are something bigger, something more. Something that is standing in the way of this progress, this newness. They don't understand what I am trying to accomplish. And they don't understand that they, and their shadowed versions of Elm Lake, are directly responsible. Angus has been a good soldier doing what has been required, keeping the eggs in line. Jonas Tompkins started asking for a when, as opposed to a where, but Angus keeps him asking for a why. As for the rest of the Elm-like improvisational quartet, well, they have found a way to yes themselves into greater understanding and are in line with our goals.
goals I need to achieve. The path that I am on is the only one that will return Elm Lake to safety. It is the only way to stop Jorge Sanchez from obsessing over the moon. It is a singular goal, one that will connect this owl's nest diner to every other version of itself. I can combine these disparate realities, but for that to happen, everyone needs to fall in line. It's why Angela is gone. It's why Lorraine flickers. And it's why I need to find the others so desperately. They don't realise the danger they're perpetuating. Or the solution that I have found. They have refused to listen to the call. And now... I must find them. If I don't find them, Angus will. If Angus finds them, well, maybe they were eggs after all. I don't know what I expected. I'd heard them walking floors above me, but I didn't trust that I would actually see them. I thought the entire thing was just a figment of my imagination. When I finally did lay my eyes on Jenny Fowler and Amelia Ashford, I still didn't believe it. There was something almost absurd about the whole image. Amelia, eyes dark and clouded, darting back and forth across the bunker walls. Jenny, determined, but wincing and showing a slight limp as she took steps forward. I was so convinced it wasn't real, I didn't even notice the blood at first. Or the rag used as an impromptu bandage to cover what was clearly a fresh wound. I made a move to help Jenny sit and rest. I tripped over words that were intended to convey a need for proper first aid care and cleaning the wound. I haven't seen any water down here or anything else resembling medical supplies, but my concern for my fellow human outweighed any logic. I was in emergency mode, and I was going to fix the problem. Well, this problem, and then focus on the bigger problems. Jenny waved me off before I could draw near, and Amelia looked at me, determination in her eyes. We need to talk, so sit and listen. You'll get your turn. This is what I tell Anthony. 
feeling Jenny leaning on me, using me to support her weight after the cut to her thigh. I still feel terrible about that, but there was no other way. She had been trapped, differently than I had been, but still trapped, and it was the only way I could see to spring her free. Rescuing her must have pulled him back too, although I cannot begin to guess as to why. They seem to be linked, but if they are, am I as well? Anthony sits back down and stares at me, mouth forming words that carry no sounds. He's in shock. I'm sure if I saw how Jenny and I look together, I would also be in shock. Dirty, exhausted, with a fresh knife wound, we must look like we've been through hell, and maybe, in some ways, we have been. I look at Anthony again, holding his gaze firmly with my own. The answers are here, we just have to find them, and we can't leave until we've done that. The pain in my leg has become a dull throbbing, a pulsing through my body that causes me to alternate between nausea and sharp focus. Of the two, I'd almost prefer the nausea, as the focus reminds me that we're underground, racing towards something unknowable while being chased by something unfathomable. I sit heavily, letting the exhaustion of the moment wash over me. I hear Amelia begin to talk to Anthony, but I've let my eyes drift shut. I just need a moment to block out the pain, the lighting, the discordant hum buzzing through the walls around me. I come to sometime later. I didn't even realize I'd fallen asleep. And I want to be angry at the others for letting it happen. I want to rage and yell and throw things and ignore whether or not it will actually be helpful in the moment. It will feel helpful, and that is where my mind is. Until I look down and see that the wound on my leg is freshly bandaged. No blood is visible. I flex it slightly, and the pain is less. I don't know if it was more superficial than I thought, or if time is still having its way with me. Either way, I don't feel as weak, and the nausea from last night has faded. I'm alone in this room, but there are voices just beyond the door. I seem to recall Amelia and I walking through something like an apartment before we found Anthony, but everything feels so distant and disconnected. I open the door and cautiously step out, just as Anthony sighs a haunted look in his own eyes to match Amelia's. To his credit, he listened. Actually listened. I didn't think anyone was capable of really doing that anymore. I fully expected to speak and have everything I said fall on deaf ears, but he actively listened. It was almost an hour into us talking before either of us realized that Jenny had fallen asleep. I still haven't slept. I don't know if Anthony has either. I explained what I could to Anthony, making a specific point to tell him about the flickering image of Lorraine Powell leading me on this chase. Hearing her name almost brought tears to his eyes, and I looked away, only to see her image smiling towards me and nodding. Sometime later, we agreed to explore further, as we could without straying too far. It's how I eventually found the first aid kit. It's how I had the tools to redress Jenny's wounds, the wound that I caused. I had to break the loop, I need to remind myself of that. 
Jenny's leg has been rebandaged, the wound less than I remember it being. Time is still fickle, but at least it hasn't been rewound completely. I think we can stay here to rest, at least briefly. Not for long, of course, but we can at least catch our breath. Jenny needed sleep, clearly. She was mumbling something in her sleep, but I couldn't catch the words. It isn't important anyway. After we rest, we need to go lower. The rain has let me know that much. This version of Amelia is different from the one I remember from town, but that is to be expected with all she's been through. She's forceful and determined. Logic and tactics drive her speech. There isn't room for me to argue, not that I would have wanted to anyway. Every word that Amelia says resonates, carrying a weight that lands in my chest. Except when she talks about the eternal daylight. How can that be when I've been experiencing never-ending night? Can I trust her if something so simple can be lied about? And if she isn't lying, how can such contradictory realities persist in the same space? I hear her speak about the importance of staying below and of going lower. I see the logic behind wanting to explore further down, where these machines continue to bring us. She tells me about seeing Lorraine, and those words somehow make more sense than both perpetual day and night existing at the same time. Jenny is sleeping. Emilia has counseled making small searches, trying to find supplies or at least comforts so that we can all take a moment to rest. I tell her that there was a room on an upper floor I never fully explored, giving myself reason to search above, which eventually brings me to the door in or out from this perspective. My need for answers drives me, and I cause the door to slide open so that I can look outside. It isn't night. Or day. Or even something in between. Instead, is red. Everything is red. I close the door as quickly as I can and rush back to where Jenny is sleeping and prepare my story for what I couldn't find inside the bunker. There. They are there. I don't even know how they knew to go there, but I've found them. 
at least for a moment I have. They're gone again now, but I know where to go. I know how to get to them and bring them back into the fold. Somewhere on the streets of Elm Lake, Angus Thorpe is finding himself turning towards the west. Jonas Tompkins is sensing the direction of his wear. And I will be at the front of the line, ready to solve this problem that is plaguing our town. After all, the future is waiting. Elm Lake is waiting. Calling from Elm Lake, episode 23, Marcus was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Jenny Fowler is Emma Sala. The voice of Marcus Grant is Mick Reyna. The voice of Amelia Ashford is Maddie Stewart. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. You can find us on both Twitter and Facebook for a little social media strangeness. You can also find us on TikTok as we create visuals to help round out the world of Elm Lake. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on whichever podcasting app you have found our feed. Doing so could help bring new listeners to the call of Elm Lake. If you'd like to support us as we unfold this story, add new voices, and just generally continue to explore this particular creative process, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash callingfromelmlake. Your support will help us continue to grow and expand on the story, and hopefully be able to add even more content within the universe of Elm Lake. Evil takes many forms. Good does as well. Which side we fall on is determined by actions, motivations, and how we are perceived by the greater world around us. Sometimes the greatest evils are shrouded in the veneer of good. And sometimes, lest we forget, the exact opposite is true. <laughs>